This is obviously the final night of this series called Note to Self. Um, how many of you have, I mean, I'm kicking the stage back together. There we go. Had to do my thing. Um, how many of you have heard all two weeks already? Okay, some of you have obviously missed it. So, so I'm going to do an overview since some of you did not hear it yet. If you want to hear this on our Spotify, you can go take a listen after service tonight or during this week. Um, week one, uh, obviously the series has been stretched out because we've had so many other things come up. Uh, like I had Pastor Matthew Ackman and the CLC group come in and give a, a, a little bit of a word. And then we had life groups last week. So just to recap you um, of this series, week one, we talked about going back to the image of God when we are self-doubting. I talked about how a lot of people have a hard time um, remembering who the image of God is in their life when they're going through a season of self-doubt. Um, week two, we talked about having a, the child likeness of God in our heart, the being a child of God. The, um, the title was called a child's heart. That was, I was trying to remember. So we talked about the difference between a cynical heart and a childlike heart, not childish, not immaturity, but childlike faithness with love and compassion and, and, and power. We talked about that week two. So for tonight, if you have your phone or if you have a physical Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43. That's where we're going to land tonight. Ooh. So, look, you, hey, you were trying to get your phone to get to your Bible, so you're good. You're good. Isaiah 43. Are y'all okay? Y'all are really quiet. Again, you're really quiet. I know it's been a long day, but I got y'all covered. This word's going to, I think, is going to speak to you guys. Isaiah 43. We're going to start in verse 1. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. The context of Isaiah 43 is that God is doing things in two verses to the Israelites. Verse one talks about him affirming his people. And the second verse talks about being present with his people. And there's something, there's a word that I kept seeing in my, in my mind as I kept reading it. The word that keep, that kept popping up is value. Cause when you, when you affirm somebody, when you, when you find somebody that you really care about or trust, you find value in that person or you find value in that thing. And that's the word that kept popping up as I kept reading this. So tonight, the title for the final week of Note to Self is The Value of the Image. The Value of the Image. I want you to know this right here in the beginning. You have value in how God made you. You have value in how God made you. It sounds like a very simple statement, but it is a strong statement when it goes to the root of who you are. When you start to realize who you truly are in Jesus, you will start to see the value that you possess within yourself. A lot of this culture tries to teach us that our value is in physical things. But I believe the Lord wants to show us that our value, our true worth of who we are is in him. In this chapter, let me give you a little bit of a backstory about Isaiah 43. In this chapter, the Lord comforts his own people under their afflictions 
and with many precious promises, asserts his deity against the idols of the nations. All of Isaiah 43 is talking about idols, and it's talking about things that the Israelites were worshiping. And I, I, I started to think about, like I said, the value of our image can sometimes be disrupted by idols. It can be disrupted by things that are not of God. The Lord claims his interest in his people, not only on the foot of creation, but of the redemption and the calling and promises them his presence in the midst of the afflictions that they deal with. So God is promising his presence in the midst of their afflictions. God is promising and saying that he will be with you in the midst of your affliction. He's going to be there in the midst of your problem. And if you don't believe that, then you must not be saved. You must not pursue God all the time. You must not really see Jesus for who he is because I have learned that in my midst of affliction, whether it's my own affliction or somebody else who afflicted on me, God has been there every time. God's presence surrounds my afflictions and it's the same thing with the Israelites. He's surrounding their afflictions. And now God saw these idols that the Israelites were valuing because in this, it it boggles my mind that the Israelites were worshiping something that was not God, yet God still affirmed them and told them that he was with them. He could have easily bashed the Israelites. He could have easily judged their way of worship, but God simply went, I formed you, I created you, and now I'm going to be with you. A lot of us, obviously, we can, we can say that, like, we, we don't worship idols. We're, we're not in, in that century time where we're worshiping golden calves. Obviously not. But the principle of the idol still stays with everything in your life that you give your attention to. And I've learned that there are a lot of things that are idols. Now I'm using my phone. You can, you can say whatever. This is my idol right here. The reason why it is my idol is because it brings comfort in a time of trouble. Okay. I want you to remember that idols, you don't just worship idols just because they're, because if that was, the, I would just worship God if it was an idol, but if the idol gives me something, okay. If the idol gives me something, I'm going to worship it. If the idol is fulfilling a void in my life that's ultimately met in God, but it's now being met in something else, that is an idol. This can be an idol. Your console can be an idol. Your relationships can be idols. Your friendships can be idols. All of these things that you have, that you, and it sounds, oh, that's so surface level. No, it's not. I can tell you right now, if you go on your screen time, you've been on Instagram more than the Bible app. You show me your screen time. Now, if your screen time is more than that, praise God. But if not, that shows you something. That shows you the condition of what you worship. Worship means what you give your attention and allegiance to. And a lot of times, it might not be your phone, but it could be, like I said, relationships. It can be material. It can be... I've learned this because I've done this sometimes. Sometimes I idolize my mistakes. I idolize my sin sometimes. Not in the way that you think. I'm not glorifying my sin. Sometimes I give too much attention to my mistakes. 
to where I can never change. And sometimes I will tell myself I'm not good enough. I'm, I've made so many mistakes over and over, and I'm losing that vision of worshiping God rather than worshiping my mistake. So idols to the Israelite, the idols to the Israelites is like with you and your phone or you and your relationships, you and your PlayStation, you and all this stuff. That is an idol. When you put more time in those things than God, it's an idol, period, end of story. What you put in front of God is an idol, no matter what it is. But the beautiful thing, and this is the good news, that God is not coming to you. God's not coming to you with a with a fiery rod trying to spank you. Why are you not worshiping me? God comes back to say, listen to me, I created you. Listen to me, I have formed you. Listen to me. I know how you process. I know how you're wired. I made you. I know how you operate. So you need to listen to your father because he knows who you are. There's value in knowing that the father knows you inside and out. There's a value to know that the father in heaven values you more than anybody else. So there are two things I've learned in those two scriptures. I talked about the affirmation. I talked about, you know, him being with you. But I want to get a little bit to the point because I was trying to see this verse. And I want to show you this. Let's go back to verse 1. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says. This is what the first point I got. Point number one. You can't see your value until God shows you. You cannot see, understand, or even function in your true identity without God showing you first. There's a lot of people out there. You want to know why? Because there's a lot of people out there right now that's trying to find their identity in other things, in other places, in other versions of themselves that they're trying to create when really that's not the version that God made them in. So you see other people in their life becoming a character and calling it their identity. And one of the biggest things that, that we, we all understand, we all realize that a lot of this world teaches us to love self. There's a, a, a certain way that you love yourself and it's in the way loving God, not really just, I love myself because I love myself. I love myself because I love God. So when you start to retrace and stop making it in your place, because there's a lot of people in this life who will not crucify the flesh to get that value in their life. I've learned this. There's, there's this statistic because, because a lot of it, like there's people, listen, y'all, there's people changing their, 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 their image. They're changing their behavior. They're changing their response. They're changing the way they look. They're changing the way that they talk. They're changing their gender identity to make it to the point where they think this is who they are. But I read a statistic. I read a statistic. And it's from the National Institutes of Health. And it says this, data indicates that 82% of transgender individuals have considered killing themselves and 40% have attempted it. 80% have had the thought, 40% tried. Is that an identity? Is that what I want to be in a place that I think this is who I am, but really deep down I'm miserable? Because it's a, because this statistic is telling me that if I go that route, I will have these 
So it's not just about that. It's not about the transgender part, but it's also about everything else in your life. You're altering yourself to make you miserable. Y'all following me? You are changing these things to make you miserable when that's not really you. You think this is you. You think this is your true identity, but it's not. And this is where we have to learn that only God can say who we are. That's why he says, oh, Jacob, verse one, listen to the Lord who created you. Oh, Israel, the one who formed you says. So that said, when he says the one that formed you says, that means God says who I am, not what I think or what the world thinks. I have to be what God's built me to be. Oh, I'm just pessimistic. I'm just cynical. This is who I am. No, it's not. You are not built for that negative outcome. You have been adapted into that. Maybe you've lived your life in the negative outcome, but that is not what God has for you. You will always have another alternative thing that is actually you, and that is being, you're meant to be joyful. You're meant to consume peace in the midst of anxiety. You are meant to have that by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the Lord Jesus. You're able to have that. But when you live in what the world does, and when you take worldly principles and make it Christian, you will lose the value of Scripture because you're building it the way you want it to build. This is how I think I think it sounds. And it's not until you get, because the Israelites are now, follow this, the Israelites have made an idol because they had nobody to worship. And it also mentions in the scriptures that, that there was this moment where God wasn't doing anything and the Israelites created an idol. So what are you doing? Here's my question. What are you doing when God's not there? How do you, what do you do? What do you wait on when you don't feel God present? The Israelites knew that God wasn't in the moment. They felt it, but he was already there. But when they felt that he wasn't there, they created an idol to worship. So my question is, what are you doing and what are you worshiping when God doesn't feel present? When you are experiencing nothing from him right now, because sometimes we have that season, what are you experiencing when that happens? What are you doing when that happens? But now, O oh Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. See, the Lord is affirming who they are to him. And then he comforts them with the certainty of his sovereignty. Because God is sovereign. The word sovereign means overlap. That means in, God is all-powerful. God is governing over their life and God is wanting to govern over your life because he knows what you need. He knows what, what you truly need in a time of, of problems. He knows what you need. So when you start to see God's sovereignty in your life, you will start to see the value that you have from him. Why would an all-powerful God use his sovereign on you? Some of you can be like, because I'm God's child. Some of you are like, I don't know why, bro. I don't know why he uses that on me. He's wasting it on me. God is a good father and knows how to take care of what he values. You've been trying to find your identity in the wrong stuff. You've been using other idols in your life to find your worth. 
Like if I would have this, then I would have worth. If I had this relationship, I would look, it would be worth it. If I had these things that I bought, then this would be it. And when we create that, it starts to, to create this attention. You're having to go to it over and over and over and over. If I just had this, if I just had, let's, let's just say if I had an Apple watch, if I had an Apple watch, I would be cool. Yo, there's nothing special about this thing. All I do is I tell time and I don't waste battery on my phone. I don't use this to look. I don't do it like that because this is not what makes my worth worth. This doesn't make my worth worth it. Y'all following me? This is not what makes you worth it. Okay. I know y'all are following me, but y'all, y'all still look a little bit confused. So I'm, I'm going to break it down. The Israels found idols to worship because their worth was in it. That's what an idol does. And then that idol is not with God. So here's another question. And this might be blocking God's, you're not seeing God's value. Because, I think it's because of this. How can you have value in yourself when God hasn't shown you yet because you have idols blocking that? The Lord wants to show you your value in him, but he can't do it when you are looking at your phone. He can't do that while you're spending hours. What's the latest game? Fortnite. I'm going to continue to say Fortnite. Why? How can God get your value in you when you have replaced it with something else? There's no possible way. How can you worship God when you worship Yabuthang? Thank you, Bailey. Why would you let God, how can you let God do that, but you're in this? There's no point. It doesn't work. Because you are replacing, there's something else at the throne of your heart. That is for you to do. God can't be on the throne of your heart if you have something else there. That's where the, the God's trying to affirm the Israelites. Cause, cause listen, I can read the scripture all I want and, and show you the truth, but it's not until you let God show you and you take those idols out of your life to where you can see your worth. These idols that you worship, it's counterfeit worth. It's worth that doesn't really last that long. It's worth that's not really real. It's how the world sees worth, but the way God sees worth is so much better. And it's so much greater and it brings more satisfaction. And there's, because, because all of this stuff that we possess will fade. All of the stuff that we possess in this life will not go with us to heaven. You will not have a PS5 in heaven. I'm sorry. You will not have Instagram and TikTok in heaven. That's not going to be there. What's going to be there is your soul. Your soul and God. That's all you're going to have. Obviously we'll see other people. I know that. But what I have to understand is, is that my worth is not based on what this world is trying to give me. This worth has no satisfaction. When everything fades, this worth will fade as well. It's completely blocking and isolating you from what God says and finding the revelation of your true value and identity. So the revelation is in front of you, but you can't see it because you are now built with this wall of idols in your life.
And I want to get to that point where I talked about sometimes we idolize our mistakes. Sometimes you idolize failure. Sometimes you give too much worship to your failure because you've messed up too much. I've made too many mistakes, so I cannot, I cannot, God cannot forgive this. Because all the other stuff, all the other little stuff God can forgive, but this, what I've done, what I pulled, what I did to that person, what I have committed, I don't think God can do that. Want me to prove it to you? Nod your head if you want me to. Okay. Okay. You ready? Put up Luke 7, verse 47. The context of this is the woman that was about to get stoned. She was committed with, she, she just got out of adultery. And she was just caught in it. Like, like the Pharisees pulled her out from it. She was doing the thing in the moment. She was doing it. So they pulled her out. And they, and they told Jesus, you need to stone her. She has just been caught in the act of adultery. And you know, the Lord does his thing. He's like, bro, if, he, if you want to judge, throw the stone. If you're perfect, throw the stone, bro. And nobody threw a stone, obviously. And the thing he says in Luke that's not in the other gospels wrecked me because it says right here, I tell you her sins and they are many. Some of y'all just relate to that one phrase. And they are many. You have many failures. You have many mistakes. You have a lot. I'm not trying to make you feel more bad about it, but we all, we all know this. I have had multiple failures in my life. Multiple failures that I did not expect and some failures that I consciously made and I wanted to make. And now I have to not just, I didn't have to just live with it. I had to, re, I had to think over it over and over in my head, the mistakes and the failures that I've done. I want you to read that next part. And there are many, I want, I want, who wants to come, who wants to say it? Who wants to say it? Yeah, say it. Say it again. One more time. They are many. You have many mistakes. You are a mistake maker. And God is telling you that you have been forgiven. You have made multiple mistakes that you cannot take back. That this life cannot give you that back. But God said, you're forgiven. God said, I welcome you back. This is what makes it so beautiful. I want to make this parallel. When the Israelites were idolizing something else, God affirmed them. Man. God affirmed them when they were making the sin. God was saying he was with them in the midst of them worshiping something else. And this is the same thing for the lady. It's the same thing for you tonight. You have made many failures, but you're forgiven. And then it goes on to say, so she has shown me much love. Watch this. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. You know what that tells me? Some of us do not know how to love others because we don't know the, ma- the magnitude of how much we're forgiven. How crazy is that? That it's, it's, it's in another term. Another term is like saying that like, like um, you love much because you're forgiven much. I think sometimes, this is, what, this is what I wrote down. I don't want to miss this. I have it in green highlight. 
It says God will let you go through multiple moments of failure to where you can experience more love for others. God has allowed you. God can't stop you from sinning. That's your own decision. You have free will. You have your own free will. You have all of this stuff, all these mistakes you've made by your own decision or you were just pressured into something. What I've learned is that the multiple failures I went through, I thought God couldn't forgive, but actually God was letting that, was allowing that in order to show me I have forgiven you yet again to where I can come up and preach to you tonight that God is going to forgive you anyways. No matter how much you've done, I don't care if you've been in church, I don't care if you've even been Like you just started coming, you came from a bad background. What this means, no matter who it's for, you're forgiven. And when you know that you're forgiven, you do what she does. You do what she does. You show more love towards others. Now it's a challenge because it's like, I'm getting affirmed because I'm forgiven, but now I gotta love other people. What I've learned is, is that when you know you're forgiven, the pride drops. This is what I've learned. The reason why God let me go through multiple moments of failure is because if, if he didn't show me to humble me, I would be pride and pious. I would be prideful in the place that I am unless he would have let me go through failure. Everything about failure, trials, storms, situations, all of that in the context is meant to grow you. That's what it's meant for. That's what it's built towards. It's not meant to harm you. It's not meant to hurt you. It's meant to grow you. What does the fruit of a tree do? Jesus talks about it. It prunes. There's a squeezing in your life to happen to where you can be built better so that you can be more than what you are right now. But sometimes the fruit, when it's pruned, sometimes it's too, sometimes it feels like it's too much because there's two things that happen in a pruning. You either go to God or you go to idols. So the Israelites were going through, I believe, a pruning. And they worshipped an idol. They worshipped something that was not from the Lord. We have to learn to stop idolizing our mistakes. Point number two, and I'm closing. I can have Rachel up on the keys. Point number two, your value is found in his presence. Your value is found in his presence. Verse two of Isaiah 43 When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you walk, I want to jump to this. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Some of us are very oppressed because we have put our value in people who didn't make us, form us, or doesn't seem to be safe when it comes to vulnerability. You know what I'm talking about. There are people, certain people, in your life that you have been vulnerable with. I've learned this in my life. This is, this is me. Some of you are just like, oh, I tell, I tell people stuff all the time. Well, not me. My vulnerability is very sacred. Vulnerability and honesty for me is sacred sometimes because sometimes you can't trust people. So I've had to learn to go to the right people. And when you start to learn about the safety of God's presence, that is the place where I show my most vulnerability. I don't show my vulnerability, even to the closest 
man of God in my life, the most vulnerable place I've ever been in is God's presence. The most vulnerable spot that I've ever, that I've ever given somebody was God. Why? Because he knew exactly what you were thinking, so just say it. Just say it out. And I've learned that the value that I find in myself and the things that God speaks over me, his affirmation comes from his presence. Because I've learned this. I've learned this. God's word affirms better than anybody's validation over you because his is gonna sustain you for life, not just for a season. People's affirmation is seasonal, but God's is for life. Don't get me wrong, like, like my wife's affirmation is amazing because that's, that's going to last. But marriage is also the same picture of Christ in the church. God wants to affirm you, the church. And that's for life. Because you will have people in your life, you will have things in your life that you're going to try and find worth in and affirmation in, and it won't sustain. Exodus 33, 14 through 15, I had another verse. This is Moses. He's about to go into a place where God called him to, but he didn't want to go without the Lord's presence. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses says, if you personally, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Moses knew the value of the presence of God. Jump to verse 17. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked because I look favor for I look favorably on you and I know you by name the image of God is my value this whole series on self-image wasn't really about just your self-image it was secretly about what was in you all along and that is the image of God the image of God is your value I can, we can learn from the Israelites that I don't need other things or idols that are not of God to show me my true value. There is value in my image because of his image in me. Would you stand up with me as we close and bow your head and close your eyes as we stand for a moment? You can't understand your value until you turn to the one who gave you value. And that's Jesus. He gave you value when he died on the cross for you and me so that we didn't have to be separated from him. But just coming to youth or going to church or being nice to people or even calling yourself a good person doesn't get you to heaven. The true way that you'll be able to be with God forever in heaven is repenting of your sin and turning to God and living for him and obeying his word for your life. If that's you, I just want you to take a moment and repent for your sin right now. Repent just means to turn away from your sin and now you turn to God now. All you're doing is you're saying, Lord, I refuse to let this sin corrupt me. I'm turning towards you now. Take a moment, ask Jesus to be Lord and savior of your life and learn to turn away from your sin.
talk to, to this second group of people. If you've been dealing with worth and you have looked to other idols in your life, whether it's people or possessions, I want you to pray in this moment. I'm gonna pray over you. But you need to learn to renounce these idols in your life. The word renounce just means I refuse to let this sit in my home. This home I call my soul. I refuse to let the spirit of idols in my life, that maybe the spirit of, of just a sinful, sinful mindset to be broken off of your life. So let's take a moment. Father, right now I come in agreement with any student that is learning, Lord, to refuse and renounce what is not of you. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that our worth is found in you, in your presence, in what you show us. Father, I pray that we would learn from the Israelites, Lord, that that these idols that we try to worship when when we feel like you're not present, Lord, I pray that that won't be our first to go to. I pray that we would seek you even when we don't feel you. I pray that we would continue to seek your presence and the value of what your presence is even when we don't see you working in in any way, shape, or form. But Father, I pray, Lord, that we would refuse to let idols take dominion over our life, Lord, because it is a demonic thing. For some of us in here, the stuff that we're worshiping right now is demonic. I'm not just talking about obvious demonic. Demons like to hide. And some of us in this room are worshiping something of an idol, whether it's being glued to something or being addicted to something. It's not just porn. It's not just all the drugs. It could be anything that is so simple that is keeping you away from God. That's a demon. That is demonic. So right now you ask the Lord, Lord, I refuse. I refuse to let these idols dictate my soul. I refuse to let these idols corrupt what you have put in me. You got to tell the devil to, I refuse. I refuse this attack. I refuse this behavior. I refuse this thought of, 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 of worship of something else. I want this out of my mind in Jesus' name. to refuse it you have to refuse it Lord we refuse anything that comes against you against you and your word Father I ask Lord that you would Lord supply us Lord as we are refusing these idols away I pray that we would get your presence right now the great exchange Lord, that we would have your presence on a daily basis and that we would continue to surrender. It's not just about refusing those idols. It's about surrendering to God now. There's a daily surrender that you need to do. Lord, I pray for a daily surrender, a daily opportunity to go to you first. The first thing in our morning, the first thing in our thoughts, let it be you. Because we, our worth is not found in what this world is giving us, but it's found in the image.
image of God. Lord, we thank you for this series. Father, I pray, Lord, that we will all take a note on ourselves, Lord, to learn who we truly are, not just what we think we are, but Lord, what you say we are. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for what you're speaking to us from this series. And I pray that it would fall on the hearts of us that need it and need it badly. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for tonight.